from McKinsey's business building practice, Leap, I'm Andrew Roth and welcome to The Venture, a series featuring conversations with legendary venture builders about how to design, launch, and scale new businesses. In each episode, we cut through the noise to bring practical advice on how leaders can build successful businesses from scratch. Cardiovascular disease remains the number one killer in every developed country, but only one in 10 U.S. patients with severe heart ailments received treatment in 2022. Ignite, a healthcare startup, has ambitious plans to dramatically improve treatment of heart disease by harnessing the power of AI and big data to identify patients who fell through the cracks after being diagnosed. Ignite was spun out from Edwards Life Sciences, a California-based medical technology company in early 2021. Ignite's digital platform, CardioCare steadily gained acceptance among clinicians, physicians, and hospitals as the industry rapidly adopted new technology during the pandemic. Don Bobo, Corporate Vice President at Edwards, and Joel Portis, President and CEO of Ignite, sat down with me to discuss CardioCare platform, the relationship between Ignite and Edwards, and the life-saving capabilities of AI and big data. Hi, Don, Joel, welcome to the show. Looking forward to this conversation. Thank you. Thanks, Andrew. So I'm specifically very excited about this episode for two reasons. One is, I believe our first show will go deep on health and healthcare in general. And number two is, your business now has got an artificial intelligence aspect to it. Beyond ChatGPT, we can talk about what you're doing in AI from a healthcare perspective. I'd like to start off with the origin story of Ignite and how it evolved and spun out of Edwards Life Sciences, and maybe Don, share a little bit about the backstory. And for our audience, specifically, they're interested in those initial tough decisions you had to make on keeping it within Edwards or spinning it out, and maybe set the stage for us as well on the problem statement. Maybe I'll start with just a little bit of background on Edwards Life Sciences. We're a company that's very focused on the structural heart business, and we've got a number of elegant innovations that allow you to repair or replace heart valves using a catheter. So you avoid cardiac surgery. It's turned out to be a very compelling therapy for so many patients. And as we have developed those products and we spend our time running clinical trials and commercializing the products, we began to ask questions and be curious about the patient journey. Because what we discovered is so many patients that have the disease we treat weren't aware that they had the disease, weren't aware that they were a candidate for treatment, and didn't know about these new innovative therapies. So we actually commissioned an effort in my strategy team to look at the patient journey. We go back over three years and you take apart patients who develop symptoms, they get detected or not, they get diagnosed or not. And we realized that two-thirds of the patients that had severe disease ended up in, we called stuck in Middle Earth. They had had a diagnosis, but they weren't actively being moved to the next phase of the treatment decision and ending up at the heart team. So we thought, gee, this is a surprise. We were prior to that, assuming that the majority of patients that had the disease in the U.S. simply got it treated. And as we began to unpack the different frictions in that process, we identified a number of, at the time, very surprising learnings. One, it turns out there's a lot of chaos around patients exhibiting symptoms and how those get diagnosed and attributed to their valve. 
And I think, Don, just, just quickly for the audience, cardiovascular disease, and I'm not a health expert, but it is still the number one killer, at least in the U.S. Is that correct? It's the number one killer in the U.S., and it's the number one killer in all developed countries. Even though there's been remarkable progress in advances in that field, it still is the number one killer, cancer being number two. Got it. You're talking about the chaos of the actual patient journey you're discovering. Yeah. One of the most surprising elements, and remember, these patients are typically north of 70, and they would end up experiencing a tremendous variation in their symptoms being properly attributed. And even if they were attributed, getting a confirming echocardiogram, this is where they use ultrasound to image the valve, and then having those two pieces of information triggering them being sent to a heart team. And as we began to take this apart, we actually discovered a couple of places where we thought we could run some pilot efforts and make a difference. And we had a couple of clinicians that were forward-leaning and believed this was a problem, which was interesting. A lot of physicians didn't think this was a problem. They thought, look, if they're in our system, the right thing happens every time. And it turns out that wasn't the case. So we began to seed a small group that was focused on digital solutions that would take variability out of symptoms, variability out of echo, and the referral process. And by the way, this was not our core business. So you can imagine the internal conversations around why are you spending money on that and where's it going to lead and how do you know that's going to work and all that. Yeah, I can imagine the war stories on answering those questions, Don. And I definitely want to earmark that because I want to get into that, hearing about some of those war stories because our audience often are internal or, or corporate entrepreneurs fighting similar battles or answering similar types of questions. But just getting back to the core problem statement. So it sounds like this is not your core business. You are starting to talk with the clinicians. You're looking at the patient journey and you're seeing variability in the actual cardiogram the, how symptoms are tracked, and getting to the initial sort of hypothesis on how to solve that. Right, exactly. And we took an interesting approach because when we saw the first set of data, most of our physician customers and referrers didn't believe us. So we said, look, what if we build a digital system, we'll come in, we'll take your data, and we'll do a retrospective analysis, and we'll show that you have the same issues, variability, we call it chaos, with most of your patients as what we found elsewhere. And that actually turned out to be valuable because it stimulated them, in many cases for the wrong reasons, to be curious and say, sure, come in and look at our data. I'm sure that doesn't happen here. We're a top-shelf academic center. We treat hundreds of these patients a year. I'm sure you won't find that. And in everyone that we did this work in, we found it. And that really became the next stepping stone to say, what if we made a product out of this? We probably have to charge for it because we can't give this stuff away due to regulations. And that really put us on a probably a three or four year journey where we were interacting with physicians in hospitals. We were showing them their own data. And then we were providing solutions that would allow them to flag these patients and not lose them along the journey. I've heard you share before that when it comes to diagnosis, something like we only treat one in 10 
patients when it comes to cardiovascular disease? And obviously the rest go undiagnosed. And just keep me honest here, but the mortality rate of patients that show symptoms is something like 50% within two years? That's correct. And we're talking specifically about patients with heart valve disease, aortic stenosis. It's 50% mortality at two years. And in 2022, we treated one out of 10 that had ACCHA guideline severity disease. And that realization was part of our motivation to say, look, while these data sets and these digital tools are not our core business, there's got to be something we can do better as a set of stakeholders, physician, hospitals, a company that's in this industry. Because if you just put yourself in the patient's shoes, it's quite frankly embarrassing that you end up with a majority of patients in the U.S., not another country, in the U.S., that end up without the right recommendation and the right action to get the disease treated. So part of the problem here is diagnosing at the right time, and then part of it is on the actual process of treating the patient. Maybe this is where we bring Joel in here a little bit. Uh, now we kind of like set the stage on the problem, right? Because that's quite a scary, alarming problem. You know, Joel, maybe just introduce yourself. I'd love to hear some of those initial customers and when you felt like you were onto something here and reaching something like product market fit. My background is in software and data analytics, and I've built my career on building companies that use data and software to solve complex problems in healthcare. And so when I started talking to Don and his team and the rest of the Edwards leadership team about this issue and this thesis they had that perhaps this function, which they've invested in, they've built out for the six previous years before I became involved, and whether or not that should be a standalone business. And, and when we agreed that, yeah, this really was a digital health company and that we should carve this out and be able to think about cardiovascular patients in a broader way, to think about the whole continuum of structural heart disease and think about heart failure and atrial fibrillation and how can we identify those patients and elevate them to improve the standard of their care. It was I thought a wonderful fit. It had the foundation of a great solution. And the thesis that Don and his team had was that it's done well within the walls of Edwards. How much better could it do outside as an independent autonomous organization? And so with the idea that we would be able to run faster, we'd be more nimble, we wouldn't be competing, like you said earlier, with the corporate entrepreneurs who are competing with other priorities within an organization. We really were going to control our own destiny. And really a, a big credit to the Edwards leadership team who do not interfere with the business, who keep us at, at arm's length, that really treat us as a separate independent entity so that we can go solve these problems for all of cardiovascular. So we spun the business out, Andrew, in February 2021. The business had been around, had customers, had revenue, had a product. We did the entire development of the corporation and the organization during the pandemic. A lot of these meetings that we had were all done virtually. And it was interesting because the pandemic really 
caused, from my perspective, an accelerated adoption of technology in healthcare, resulting in what I thought was a paradigm shift where hospitals and device companies have put technology investments at the forefront of their strategic initiatives over the next three to five years. And so Ignite has positioned itself to be at the intersection of healthcare and technology, where we're really able to use this proprietary technology to really transform care delivery in the communities that we serve. It's clear what the problem is, you know, misdiagnosing people with cardiovascular disease and then treating them in a way that gets them to a positive outcome. I would love to hear how cardio care solves the problem. Think of us as a artificial intelligence, big data solution. And we really solve really three essential problems. So the company is Ignite and the digital platform is CardioCare. And what CardioCare does, it helps health systems, hospitals specifically, manage their cardiovascular patient population and identifies and elevates the most vulnerable cardiovascular patients to the top for appropriate follow-up and therapy. Last year, the average growth in structural heart disease procedures in the market was about 6%. The customers that use CardioCare, the average growth in structural heart disease procedures was 25%. So we had a significant above market increase. Why? Because we use technology, we use AI, and we use this data. And the data is really important because We have about 153 hospitals that are contributing data. We have 3,500 different site locations that are contributing data into this de-identified database that we're using, coupled with the AI that we use on medical records and other data that our hospital customers contribute to the analysis in order to help not only identify for their system, but also benchmark across the country. But in addition to that, we have the largest database of echocardiograms in the country. We have over 2 million echoes, and it's constantly being fed. And we use an NLP in there to read the notes of those images and of those echoes. And we bring that together with the AI results from the procedural data, the lab data, all the other data we have. So we have very much a 360 view of a patient. We analyze that information, and on a nightly basis, Andrew, our customers have this very elegant dashboard that is repopulated every night. And they'll see patients, and they're categorized in different ways or prioritized. And this is a fully automated process. And what it does is, and I want to go back to a comment that Don made, every day our users go to this dashboard and very efficiently can identify those high-risk patients that have not been seen by anybody in the heart team either ever or within 180 days. Okay, so let's stick on this point because this is, I think, fascinating. So you have access to a large database of patients and you're basically at a national or even global level starting to set a base rate on the symptoms, the profiles of a patient potentially at risk. and you're baselining all the variable notes and comments and from a, a wide array of different doctors and clinicians and summarizing that into who may be at risk and who hasn't seen a specialist yet. Is that the right way to think about it? Right. Or they're in the system 
And Don talked about the patients that have been undetected, unevaluated. So what we do is we identify these patients and they're in the system. Whether or not they've been seen by the heart team, we can distinguish and point that out. One of the other things we do, Andrew, is we help industry organizations, device companies, pharma companies, accelerate the population of clinical trials. And we do this through the identification of what is the inclusion criteria, the exclusion criteria, and we can comb through hundreds of thousands of patients and narrow it down to the 100 to 50 to 10, whichever it is, that are patients that would be good candidates for a clinical trial. What absolutely amazes me every time we do one of these is when I see the number of patients who qualify as a candidate for a trial based on the screening of the data and the criteria required. They still have to be evaluated by the physician and they still have to consent to the trial. But what amazes me is we find anywhere from a third to 50% of the patients that are candidates for a trial have never been seen by anybody in the heart program. As to Don's earlier point, they're walking around with this death sentence that has not been checked. And so that's the beauty of AI. That's the beauty of technology and the application to data and how it can elevate the standard of care and it can reduce variability of care if everybody has this. And that's what really got me into it when I was talking to Don and the team was, oh my gosh, this should be in every hospital in America. I like that visual of the dashboard, right? Because that, for someone who's not an expert in the space, that helps me kind of situate this. And that dashboard is basically saving time and time is saving lives, it sounds like. And it's very elegant and it's very direct and it's very intuitive. So maybe we go back to Don, hear about cardio care and it sounded like you were operating the business for a number of years. And I was with a client just last night on a, a similar topic on how to fund the business and where to operate it. What business unit will you fund it from? And do you, if we need to raise money over the next five years, do we pull in outside investors and spin it off? Maybe just share with us, take us inside the boardroom a little bit on some of those tough conversations. What were some of the considerations that you were perhaps debating in boardroom on spinning it out? Yeah, Andrew, this is a, an interesting one because when we got into this and decided to fund it and build the team and run pilots, we were singularly focused on the patient impact. If we can really take a bunch of these wrinkles out that patients experience trying to get from symptoms to diagnosis to a treater, that'll be elegant. What we realized is we kind of, unbeknownst to us, stepped into the whole world of digital health, which has taken on a life of its own. And I'm guessing the definition has evolved multiple times in the last five years. But we ended up squarely in that area, which raised important considerations, like the product iteration cycle is very different for digital than it is a heart valve. We'll take 10, 12 years to develop and do a clinical trial and finally launch it. In a digital product, if you aren't revving the software every month, you're behind. Well, our quality systems, our development systems weren't built for that. So we carved it out inside of Edwards and said, you'll be separate, go do what makes sense. The business model for how you charge and what the commercial relationship is, very different. And by the way, those models in the last six years have evolved dynamically. They have not been static. And then you look at what should be your approach. 
Our business typically was rewarded by having a great product, great evidence. And then over time, the market adopted because it was the best answer for the patient. In digital, it doesn't quite work that way. It oftentimes ends up being a land grab. Whoever can get out there and get everybody on their system ends up with an advantage because the switching cost is high. All of that was new to us. So we were students. We were building as we were, if I could use the metaphor, while we were flying this airplane. But it really forced us to shift from a pure patient benefit focus to look for this to be something that's broadly scalable. We started having real candid debates around who's the best owner. And we went out and engaged a couple of outside groups that could help us think about this. And we came to the conclusion that this is a great idea, a great product. But inside Edwards, we're probably the worst owner. We'll slow it down. We'll plant a tree and then we'll pick the tree up every day to see how much the roots grew, which really impairs growth. So we came to the the hard decision that, you know what, we ought to put this outside. We're willing to fund most of it, but let them go. Let them go be a digital innovator. Let them go work with customers. Let them go run a business model, run their team, run the business processes so that it's tailored for a digital health company and not a big implant company. And we'll take a couple of board seats. We'll fund it but we're gonna intentionally separate it from all of the Edwards governance system structure. And that was a journey. We, a couple of us, you know, myself, the CEO and the CFO got convinced, but then we had to go to the board and they were excited about what this could do for patients and indirectly for the penetration of these therapies in a very needy population. Being able to make that decision to spin it out, to help it grow is not an easy one. So maybe, Joel, share a little bit about where you are in that journey. And so for our audience, especially for our, our clients, there's no lack of incumbents launching new businesses or even spinning out new businesses. There is a lack of product market fit and scale. So we'd love to hear where you're at on the journey now when it comes to scale and how you think of the business from your background as being an expert in software. Yeah, so I would advise anyone to never launch a business during a pandemic especially a healthcare pandemic. You might want to reconsider that. But in all seriousness, clearly, Andrew, that has been one of the biggest headwinds is hospitals have been under tremendous financial pressure over the last few years. And and we're certainly seeing them coming out of this and we're sensitive to their operating expense pressures. Having said that, We've tried a couple different models, sales models, and we, we've made a couple of adjustments. But what we know is that the proposition of the platform is extremely compelling. And the biggest group of evangelists that we have in the marketplace are the clinicians. And it's the clinicians, it's their nurse navigators, it's the folks that work daily with patients. But I really want to call out the clinicians because these individuals recognize how this enhances their practice. So then it gets into what's the right economic arrangement so that you can't give it away because it's very valuable. So it's finding that right price point. It's being able to work with your hospital customers. So that's gone very well for us. And we're seeing certainly over the last, I would call it, We've been out now for just a little over two years. I would say the last seven, eight months, there's been this much stronger momentum because we've had more time out there. We've had more time to demonstrate how this works. The proof 
of the effectiveness of the solution is now demonstrated many, many, many times. And we have lots of references and other providers that will call their peers and say, this has changed my practice. And I've been on some of those calls and it's really inspiring because we've got a really smart group of developers, a really smart product team, and they're working every day to see this penetration happening. But what we've developed is this two-sided network. And I know you're familiar with that model because of we've moved into relationships in, on the device side as well. And so that is all of a sudden kind of changed the narrative for us working with hospitals who want to be affiliated with certain industry partners. And it puts certainly a big responsibility on our end to make sure that we're delivering extreme value and exceeding all expectations for both segments of our customer base. So one side you have an ecosystem of device providers and you're starting to integrate or perhaps serve those device providers in some shape or form, and you're serving the hospitals as well in terms of revenue streams. And in some cases, Andrew, the same patient benefits. And that's really what this has been about for the hospitals, for our industry partners, for Ignite. It's always been patient-centric. The patient is our North Star, and it will always be our North Star. And so we're seeing this increased adoption. There is the reality of how long it just takes to sell into hospitals. And you've got to work through the different processes and the different functional areas within hospitals in order to get these arrangements completed. But we don't ever hear no. We just have to be patient as we go through the process. We're very deliberate and methodical about how we qualify these institutions and make sure that they are committed to deploying a digital solution. And in every case, you know, when they understand the impact it has on their practice, they always are. Keying off on this term you mentioned about the patient always being sort of the North Star. What we talk about with our clients a lot when they launch new businesses is to really understand, quote unquote, the North Star metric, not just sort of uh, some vanity metric, like number of registered customers or something like that. Usually it's some core product value that is expressed in the function of time. So I'm just curious, what is that for you? Going back to the hospital and the, the dashboard visual, is it we set up cardio care within X number of months and we get a snapshot of Y percent of patients that we could put on a better path to a positive outcome? Yeah, we see that all the time. And we see that with all of our customers. So when we go in to our customer sites, we have what I think are, frankly, are four distinctive qualities of our business, right? So we've got that patient as our North Star. And then around that is we have this workflow integration, right? So we're integrated into the workflow, which is part of the automated and systematic approach to identify the patients, elevate the patients, show the patients in this very highly efficient, easy to use tool We've got this massive data set that's very unique because what we found, Andrew, and I'm sure you can appreciate this, that you can't detect with the same level of precision if you're just looking at EMR data or if you're just looking at echoes, the images or the notes. You have to have all of it. And from what I know, we're the only company that has all of that. So we feel this responsibility to make sure that we've got it right. So we've got this workflow integration, we've got data and then we've got the subject matter expertise. Even though I didn't come out of the heart space, we have a number of heart experts 
both on our team as well as on our medical advisory board. And then we're just committed and we're devoted to this speed to market of innovation. And so we do that and that allows us then to identify the patients, elevate those patients. In fact, there was an example where we looked at a smattering of of 25 different sites and across these 25 different sites found about 3,000 patients that had not seen their heart specialist within 180 days. So Don referenced the Middle Earth population there. That's what happens. And what we think will happen is when we're looking at what will be different points of care and and sites of care for these patients as we go forward. And so we're kind of looking at that too. And, And how does this platform transition to some of these other new sites of care to treat these patients? And we think that that's going to be important as we think about how we go after all of these patients, right? We don't want to just find the very, very sick. We want to find the ones that have moderate are moderate to severe because what all the data is showing is that those individuals have the same mortality rates, but are half as likely to be treated because they're moderate or moderate to severe. And it's only the severe that are getting the treatment in most cases. So using NLP, using artificial intelligence, having access to a wide array of data that it sounds like you have, you're able to bubble up patients faster to clinicians so that they can treat them more accurate, treat them faster. The beauty is when you have that technology that's learning from looking at millions and millions of patients, then it becomes very proficient. So our NLP, for example, has a 99.9% accuracy rate. So we believe very strongly in what we're identifying. And and that's the beauty of this, right? It elevates patient, it helps the docs and the physicians totally understand what this is and how this helps improve their practice and how it can be most efficient and effective in finding those patients and prioritizing them for the most immediate care. I love it. So in kind of summarizing and wrapping up, I'd love to hear from both of you on sort of what's on the horizon. What are you excited about? Maybe you've got tailwinds here with how artificial intelligence has made the mainstream in the last three months. What are you excited about for Ignite? From my perspective, there's actually a lot to be excited about. Every month that Joel and I get together, they just are overwhelmed with the learnings of systems that are adopting cardio care, what it's doing to the patient experience, and what it's doing to the service line to really elevate the quality of these programs and providing guideline treatment. But if I were to step away from the specifics, I'll tell you what's super exciting to me. Wouldn't it be great if through our efforts and others, we could demote cardiovascular disease to be the number two killer instead of the number one? I think that's something that could be done if we just were able to bring this kind of sophistication to how patients get managed, treated, and communicated with. That's obviously a worthy cause and purpose and makes me feel like, okay, when when you come into Asia, (laughs) Joel, go ahead. What keeps you excited when you wake up every morning? Yeah, what keeps me excited is the fact that we're having real and tangible impact on patients. And I see the enthusiasm and I hear the enthusiasm in our customers and in our prospects. Andrew, we've never shown our platform and our display a dashboard to anybody who hasn't said, this is what we need. Nobody's ever said, no, no thanks. 
So what gets me excited is the what I think is this increased adoption of a platform, the physician's acceptance and embrace of using artificial intelligence. I get asked probably once every couple of weeks by somebody, would you move into other diseases? And my answer is no, not now. Right now, we're going to continue to solve this because I want to be on Don's team that waves that flag and says we're number two. Yeah, I think that's a great place to end this purpose and mission to demote cardiovascular disease as the number one killer. And for me, as sort of a outsider in terms of the healthcare industry, it's exciting that some of these just digitizing parts of the customer journey or the patient journey is going to have high impact like this. And now when you start layering in the advantages that it sounds like you have with access to data and what you're doing in artificial intelligence to accelerate this is encouraging because whenever I think about the healthcare in the U.S., it's sort of like overwhelming to try to figure out how to fix it. Like Don mentioned, it, it feels like chaos, but it sounds like you're bringing order to some of the chaos out there. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate the time, Don, Joel. And yeah, it makes me feel like we need to have more episodes on healthcare. We agree. Andrew, thanks a lot. This was a lot of fun. Super. Thanks. Thanks, Andrew. You have been listening to The Venture. If you like what you've heard, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. 